Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a pole of sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose as long as the Packers lose. For everything you need to know, it's Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. This is your host, Sean. Singular today. Alex could not be here today. He had family functions. Uh, he will be back next week. But we will have an awesome episode, I promise you. But first, like thank our sponsor, the Rockford Ice Hogs. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Ice Hogs, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You can see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly affordable prices. Sure, the season's over, but that shouldn't stop you from heading on over to icehogs.com, getting yourself a hat, shirt, jersey, signing up for season tickets next season, and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Um, everybody, how are you? I'm recording this on Father's Day 2021. Hopefully, all of you fathers out there are having a blast, and you are getting spoiled rotten, because that's what you deserve for being a rad dad. I was spoiled, and I think I gained 20 pounds. We went out to eat uh, for lunch and for dinner. I had some delicious food. Went, um, took, we we have a rowboat. Took the rowboat out uh, on the Desplaines River with my wife and daughter. And just had a relaxing morning. So it was a good Father's Day. I can't complain. And then after I record this, I'm going to watch the movie Peninsula. Uh, which is a sequel to, I believe it's a Korean movie. Uh, I apologize if it's not, but it's a uh, it's a sequel to a movie called Train to Busan. Zombie movie. Excited to watch it. I'm going to sit down tonight after our recording and just relax. Um, so let's bang this out real quick. Uh, I want to talk Cubs, White Sox, and I want to get into the Bears because there's some fairly reasonable Bears news going on. Uh, but first, this was a real tough week for the Cubs and the White Sox. I I, I realized that uh, you know the, the Cubs faced a very very good Mets team, and the White Sox faced a you know first place Tampa team and a first place Houston team. Uh, and, you know this this is playoff type preview uh you know real um you know playoff type atmosphere going on in these series and both teams had their struggles at some point um i want to jump into white or cubs first because they just they really did struggle this week um they had a four game set against the mets losing 3 of 4 and barely eking out the one to to prevent the four-game sweep. Uh, and then they followed up with losing two or three badly to the Marlins. Um, this is a Marlins team that literally just got swept by the St. Louis Cardinals. So, you know, the Cubs' offensive struggles 
are are the the striking key here. You know, the the pitching was up and down this past week, but the the offense was was piss poor, and we saw a recurring problem, some problem that we have seen countless times before that we've talked about ad nauseum on the show. Uh, it is the long ball or nothing offense, and it came back big this time. Honestly, Monday's game against the Mets, Tuesday, so all four games against the Mets, and the first two games against the Marlins, 100% of the Cubs' runs were scored off of home run. 100% of the Cubs' runs were scored off of home runs. That's not a sustainable offensive model. You can't do that. Sure, you hit a, you're a team that hits a lot of home runs. That should be that should be bolstering the offense that you have, making it more potent, not being the the sole means of being able to score runs. That's a problem. And you look at the run production this week. Two, two, three, two, two, one, two. I, they they scored more than two only once this whole week. That that's that's not good baseball. For the week, they scored, they averaged less than two runs a game. You don't win a lot of baseball games that way. And it's, you know, you're seeing such low hit totals. And I, I get, you saw some really good pitchers, like you saw Taiwan Walker, you saw Jacob deGrom, but that's, this still shouldn't be an excuse for how poor this has been because this is not an isolated incident. If this was a, oh, rough week, Cubs offense, you know, had been on fire before. Really, no. This is a problem we have seen for the last several years. And I I don't know what the fix is for it. Um, yeah, you know, you, you've got too many boomer bus guys. And, you know, Javi Baez is, is a prime example of that. Um, you know, he didn't have a terrible week. He hit some of those home runs in the games to score the only runs but he's he's a he's a guy that you know is is far too reliant on the home run to boost his offensive stats. And sure, he can blast home runs. The guy has a, a some real power in that bat. But you just you need more consistency. You just you really need it. You look at the teams that have guys that are, um, you know get on base guys, make contact guys. Those those are the guys that that drive run produ- production. And, and the Cubs just don't have that guy. You're not that guy. You're not that guy. <laughs> you can go up and down the Cubs lineup. You're not that guy. Um but I I, I don't know what else to, to to say. You know, you look at uh Taiwan Walker. He just absolutely shut down the Cubs. Seven innings, 12 strikeouts no walks, just mowed the Cubs down. I mean, that was one of the most epic performances we've seen by a Mets pitcher, you know, in recent memory. The next day, uh, you saw um, DeGrom come in, face nine batters. Nine batters struck out eight of the nine. And then before he left for, for an injury, and that was the game the Cubs scored three runs this week. If Jacob DeGrom doesn't come out because of soreness 
um, out of precaution because if I'm reading correctly, he's not going to miss a start. So it was a precautionary thing. Um, the guy does not allow three runs. And the Cubs don't break the two-run threshold this whole, whole week. It took it took a guy coming out because of potential injury for them to get those runs. Um, you know, and and really, you 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 take a deeper look at what the Cubs are. And you know, I, I know there's a lot of national media that's saying, well, the the Cubs can't be sellers at the deadline. Why the hell not? Why why? When they're when they're firing on all cylinders, sure, they look good, but you're relying on some really just off the wall things for for the Cubs to be contenders. Offense wise, you know you can you can completely pitch me on a scenario where the Cubs offense clicks. Uh, you got Nico Horner coming back from injury, which is going to be huge for them, I think, because he was. He was really swinging the bat well before he went down with injury. So I think that's going to be a boost. Um, Chris Bryant continuing playing like an MVP type level. Maybe not quite MVP, but, um, you know, very, very good level. Uh, and Anthony Rizzo catches fire. Javi Baez catches fire. Um, you know, Jack Peterson showing power. Like, you can, you can sell me on an idea where the Cubs score runs because they can't. They absolutely can. And, and it's funny, you look, you look at stats and, you know, for the last several years, they've been towards the top of, of runs scored, you know, total. The problem with the Cubs is if you, if you look at the average runs per game, it's, it's pretty good. But if you look at what the, the mean or the, the median is, where you take how many runs they score per game and then you know you you see because I, I what I'm trying to say is they they score a lot of runs in a bunch of games and then there's a lot of games where they don't score any runs and I, I think it's just an uneven distribution of the runs that they score there's a lot of runs they score but they're just an uneven distribution in games um so so really you know, you could pitch me on an idea where a scenario where the Cubs, the Cubs are just putting up some huge offensive numbers. The the issue that you, you have a harder time selling to me is come postseason that this Cubs pitching staff is going to be able to uh, hold down the best teams in the National League in a series. Um, we're starting to see uh, Kyle Hendricks really look like Kyle Hendricks that, that we come to expect. You know, he's starting to starting to deal. So you saw him um, Thursday against the Mets. So he the one game the Mets didn't win in that series, Kyle Hendricks was dealing. Six innings, two hits, no runs, seven strikeouts, only two walks. Like that's a that's a big game. So. You, you know, I can. We've have a historical precedence for Kyle Hendricks pitching well in the postseason. Um, so that's that's realistic, and I'm talking postseason rather than just coming the division because the Cubs division is pretty much garbage. The Pirates are they're a quadruple A team. 
They're they're not a real major league team. They're bad. The Reds have just been kind of a disaster. They shouldn't be on paper. They should be a much better team. They've just been a disaster on the field. The the Cardinals just have no pitching, and the Brewers they they can't hit. So, and so the Cubs, the Cubs have every chance there is to to win this division. I mean, it's it's there for the taking. This is a bad division. Um, sure. Second half of the season, somebody could catch fire. And if it is anybody, it's probably the Cardinals. But I, I just don't, I don't see them going on this huge run just because of the, their pitching. It's been a lot of injuries, and what's there has been bad. Um, but the, so the Cubs really have every opportunity to win this division. So uh, that's why I kind of talk playoffs. Um, but then, you know, you, you look beyond... Kyle Hendricks, what do you have? You have Zach Davies, who, sure, he had a stretch where he was probably the best he's ever pitched. Um, but you know, you you saw, uh, you saw what you got against the Marlins, and that's the that's the Zach Davies you worry about coming coming through when you need him the most. Six innings, eight earned runs, just a bad bad Zach Davies. I just don't have faith in him being good. And then relying on 2021 Jake Arrieta, oof, that guy has been bad the last two starts. Um, you know, I know he has he has it in him to muster up a really good start when he needs it. I mean, look what he what he did against you, Darvish. Um, you know, you figured there was no way he could win that game. Pitched, I'll pitch you, Darvish, who pitched a really good game. Um, so, uh, I mean, he could muster up a good start here or there, but in a series or a back-to-back series, I do not have any faith in, in Jake Arrieta. Um, you know, maybe Albert Azale, but I, this, this starting pitching staff just is not good enough. Um, bullpen, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in. They've, they've proven to be very good. And you've got this, this you know three-headed monster that's been been really good of of Tepera, Chafin, and, and Kimbrel that has has been very good for the Cubs. And you sort of get through six, you feel like you could shut them down the rest of the game if need be. But you know I just worry about burning through the bullpen by the end of the season. You know that's that's a when you have man starting pitching. In a good bullpen, that tends to happen. Is you, you you're like you rely so much on your bullpen that you burn through them, and then they are just they're gassed by the time the end of the season comes around. So uh, this Cubs team, I you know I'm not you know I, I don't think they're good enough to compete for a World Series. So for me, I'm like, why wouldn't you be a seller? Yeah, you know, I, I know. Well, we've got a, another month before we, we have to make that decision as the front office, but um, I just, I just, my concern is if they're still in first place or within arm's reach of first place, my big concern is they become buyers. And you're starting to stabilize this, this farm system where you've got guys you're like that are kind of intriguing. You know, it's not one of the deepest farm systems in baseball, but you've got guys 
that you're actually like, oh, I think they could come in and be helpful. I'm excited to see them. They're getting close. And you're going to start selling that off to bring in guys, um, you know, especially for, for rentals. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of big decisions to make and you got a lot of soul searching because this team could completely look different next year. Is Are you hanging on to Kimbrell? Because he, he's gone at the end of the season. Um, Chris Bryant could be gone. Javi Baez could be gone. And there's a lot of these guys that just could be gone. And, you know, if you don't have an absolute strong belief that this team could win a World Series, and, and I don't know what gives you the indication that they could, what, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you break this up a few months early and take whatever, whatever rewards you can get for, for trading them? Now, sure, this is all predicated on other teams making good offers. If, if somebody's not offering you anything worthwhile, then sure, you keep uh, Craig Kimbrell, you, know, you keep a Zach Davies. It's got to be worthwhile for your trade. You have to have the future value there. You know, if you get a Glaber Torres type trade for Craig Kimbrell, how do you say no to that? It, it just seems silly. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I, I'm of the belief. I know David Haas says, "How do you trade these guys?" Yeah, I, I mean, you look. You know, when the Cubs won the World Series. You watch that team, and you just go. You went. This is a team that could win a World Series. I'm confident in. The year before, you were like, I feel confident. And then, you know, these last couple of years, you just watched, and you're like, I don't care if they're in the playoff hunt. They just don't look like they can win. And once you saw them in the playoffs, you were like, they they pooped the bed. So, I this is the type of team that you have. This is the type where they're just. You know, maybe they win the division, maybe they get a wild card, but do you see them making any noise in the playoffs? You saw what they did against the Mets team. They just got blown out of the water. Um, you know, I, I just, I just am hesitant to risk the potential that you have for the next few years of maybe rebounding and actually having a young core again where you have this window of contention again for, you know, a, a sad last hurrah. That, that's my two cents on it. Uh, this could all change in the next few weeks. But I, I just, I really don't see it that way. You just, you know, even if the bats come alive, I just can't be confident in the pitching. You know, this would be, this would be like the worst rotation to win a World Series if they, they were able to do so. On the other hand, the White Sox, they had a, a fairly tough week this week, too. Uh, they did win a series against Tampa, but then they get sweep, swept in a four-game set against the, the Astros, um, which is weird because their, their pitchers who've been fantastic just got lit up for the most part. Makes you, makes you wonder if there was uh, some garbage can banging going on down in the bullpen. Um, but you know, the White Sox are, are a team that's different than the Cubs. You look at them and, you know, they've had some offensive woes recently, but they've still got the pitching, both 
starting pitching and bullpen to be able to go on a long run. And then you look at that offense and you're like, sure, it's struggling a little bit, but you look at the absolute devastating injuries they've had. And then you start looking and you're like, all right, Eloy Jimenez is going to be back sooner rather than later. Um, He's going to be resuming baseball activities. And at some point, Luis Robert is going to be back. I don't know what they're going to give you, but I'm sure it's going to be more than the replacements have been. You know, even if they're they're still rusty from coming back from injury and not having swung a bat in a long time, it's it's they're going to give you more than what you're getting from the the replacements. It's absolutely true. Um, you know the some of these woes here, the the one loss against Tampa. You had the middle of your lineup just absolutely shit the bed. Between Mercedes, Abreu, Grandal, Eaton, and uh, Vaughn, 0 for 18 with 8 strikeouts. That's brutal. Um, you had, uh, you know, Cole Bats against Houston for most of the games. Um, scored two runs the first game, one in the second, three in the third, second, two in the fourth. Like, you, you just not scoring runs against against that Houston team. Um, you know, the one the one shining moment there was the, the game three against uh, Tampa, and that's, you gave, you scored eight runs in ten innings, but you saw, you saw that five different players had RBIs. Which is big. It's what you need to see for the, um, you know, see with the uh, the White Sox, and they're going to have to cobble along, and you're going to have to ride that pitching staff a little bit while the, you know, this, the bats are cold. You're gonna, they're going to heat back up, um, you know, at, at some point they have to, they really have to. I don't know if it'll be Obreu that goes on a tear or Tim Anderson. Um, maybe we see another. Uh, another, you know, big moment from from uh, Mercedes. Um, maybe it's Grandal. You've got a lot of guys that could just it's just actually pulling it together. And honestly, I would hope, like to see the White Sox front office actually try to make an early move and not wait till the actual deadline. And I know sometimes you have to pay more. To, to pry a guy away before the actual trade deadline. Um, but I don't know. I think it would be worthwhile for the White Sox to at least make those phone calls because, um, you know, they, they're in desperate need of some some hitting with the, uh, the injuries that they have on this roster. Um, yeah, so now I just kind of want to wrap this up talking uh, a little bears. Not a ton going on, but some of the things are fairly significant, and and I'll sort of ramp up to that. Um, first, I'm going to talk a little. Jimmy Graham is apparently in March. He had a pretty serious car accident down in Miami. I flipped the car. Um, it's it's amazing to me that a high profile professional athlete having a major accident in a big city just kind of gets swept under the rug for a few months. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad he's okay, but that's, that's really odd. It's, it's, you know, with, 
with you know news organizations and paparazzi everywhere you'd cell phone cameras everywhere you'd you know expect that that make the rounds right away but it didn't um but jimmy graham while he was talking about that also talked about how after the the season ended after they lost to the saints he really considered retirement um and I don't I don't know what his role is going to be with the Bears this year. And the Bears seem to feel like he's going to have some sort of significant role because um, they decided to pick up that, you know, or, you know, he had no guaranteed money going into the season. They could have cut him and really had a lot of extra cap flex- flexibility, um, but they chose to to keep him. And, and that salary that he's making this year um, to, some, I, to somehow, you know, fill a role that they don't feel like they could fill with anybody else on this team. So I, I don't know what Matt Nagy's vision is for Jimmy Graham, but they seem to feel like he's going to fill an important role, and they've still got him on the roster. So I don't know if... He expressed the potential that he was going to retire to the front office and they kind of talked him out of it. Or if he just realized, I'm making a lot of stupid money for minimal production. I could ride this out, play this year, then walk away with that money. Um, whatever. I just, I, I just need to see more out of Jimmy Graham this year. And I'm sure the fact playing for a bad offense you know, you, you don't want to, there's certain guys that are just not going to give 100% when it's not, they don't feel it's worth it. I feel like Jimmy Graham might be one of those guys. And hopefully this year with uh, what's looking like a rebuilt offensive line um, and a new quarterback, maybe we see, you know, his real try-hardness this year come back because I think, I think, if he actually gives a shit, he could at least, if nothing else, be a big red zone threat. Um, other news is mandatory minicamp started this week, and all Bears under contract were in attendance, except for Eddie Goldman. Now, that's, that's weird to me, because the guy opted out of last season, which I get. You know, it's a... It had to have been scary, it was, you know, with COVID and, you know, they you're in close contact with guys being on the defensive line. Uh, you, there's no vaccine at that point. The NFL wasn't playing in a bubble. Um, it, it just, uh, you had a lot of restrictions with, you know, what you could do when you were traveling. It, it just, I get it. I get it. You opt out. The guy has... Some money stashed away, opt out, come back this season. And from what we're hearing from Danny Trevathan is the guy apparently has put in all the work during the offseason and during last year is in fantastic shape, but he didn't show up. So I, the Bears are saying it's an unexcused absence and he's talked to Matt Nagy and I don't know what's going on. Uh, Ross Reed, who's a guy I follow, He's a good follow on, on Twitter. Um, you should check him out if you don't already follow him. But, you know, he's somebody that I, I really like to read and, and talk 
back and forth with. Um, his opinion is that, you know, he thinks Eddie Goldman might be considering retirement. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I just, I don't know what, what, you know, he's thinking. He, he's got his contract extension, so he's getting paid, getting paid good money. Um, he opted out last year. The, the vaccine is out already. He could get it vaccinated and, and be safe. Um, I, I don't know what the reason he's holding out is. I, I, I can't put it together because, you know, you had the rest of the defense show up. Um, they're, they're talking really good things about Sean Desai, the new defensive coordinator. Um, and, and you're hearing good things from him and he's, he wants to bring things more back to, to what we saw on, with Vic Fangio and you know, he's a sort of a protege of Vic Fangio. He wants to put his own twist on it. Uh, I, I really hope to see a more pressure on the quarterback from the front, the front, uh, defensive front. And I think part of that is Danny or uh, Eddie Goldman being there and being accountable. So I don't know what to expect. Supposedly he's going to be there for for training camp come July, but I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. Um, you know, as we hear more, we'll talk more about it. But that's got to be concerning to the Bears, and it, it had. I mean, it absolutely was because they went out immediately. And signed a one-year deal with Mike Pennell, um, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs. So you, you've got a guy who's kind of an under-the-radar signing that they feel good about. And, I mean, he's not Eddie Goldman, but I think he could do a good job and be more than serviceable and be better than what you have as your backups. Uh, you, so you bought yourself an insurance policy if Eddie Goldman does decide not to show up for training camp or uh, decides to retire or if even if he comes and gets injured or just isn't as effective as he was having a year off. You see the rust. Uh, I think adding a, a, this free agent really did, was a smart move. And I know I, I've praised Ryan Pace a few weeks in a row, but so far, the moves he's done this offseason, other than what he paid Andy Dalton, the Andy Dalton decision to sign him, I, I'm not, I'm fine with that. I think that was a smart thing, but it's just what you paid him is not. And, and you know, this is a sort of tangent from the Eddie Goldman consideration, but so Andy Dalton, and, and here's why I think you did have to pay him. You, but you're sort of betting against yourself because you know you you can't you couldn't go into the offseason with uh, with just Nick Foles. You don't want him on your team. You you want to get rid of him. You, you can't go in with him being your only quarterback. Just bad. So you got to go sign somebody. You feel Andy Dalton. If if you're not able to get somebody in the draft and you're um, not able to swing a trade for somebody like a Deshaun Watson, um, then you're like, okay, well, we can go Andy Dalton and then address this next year. But if we are able to fix it, Andy Dalton is a hell of a backup. But the thing is, is when you're trying to sign him, Andy Dalton is looking to start. You know, even if it's a, it's 
He doesn't have a lot of options to start. But when you go to him, if you tell him, yeah, we, you know, we, we'd like you to start unless we can find a better option and we're going to pay you backup money just right off the bat, what, what makes you think he's just going to sign with you right then? I mean, maybe he does because he doesn't have any other options. But if you do that and you're the Bears and you don't at least give him that it's, it's tweener money, it's you're a really, really high-paid backup or a really low-paid starter. It's tweener money. Um, so if you don't offer him that tweener money, what what's his incentive to sign with you? You know, maybe maybe at this point later he signs, but um, if you offer him, say, $5 million, $5 million, another team could swing it as a backup and he could go in there going... Ah, maybe I see a, a better option for me or somewhere closer to my house where my family lives or somewhere where I feel like they might have a better team if an injury occurs for me to do better. I'll take that five for $5 million over the Bears job. The Bears, they have to come in and be like, you know, hey, we're going to give you tweener money. So, and, and, you know, looking at the free agent options that were available, um, you know, the Bears, the Bears have to, you know, they had to shore up something. They had to find a floor. And Andy Dalton is the floor. You find that floor, and then you try to build off of that. Without signing Andy Dalton, you go into that draft desperate for a quarterback, and everybody knows it. Uh, you know, it's probably harder to make that trade up to get Justin Fields. So, you're you're looking at a situation where you know you're you're in deep shit. So signing Andy Dalton, I think, was big because you have a guy that you know what? If you couldn't swing a trade and nobody fell to you, maybe you have to you know you're probably going to draft a quarterback anyway, but you have to draft a more developmental guy. And you're like, okay, well we we could do way worse than Andy Dalton. Sure, we could do way better, but we could do way worse. And he's he's a gap filler. So I, I'm I'm not going to hate on Andy Dalton. I'm not going to hate on the decision to bring in Andy Dalton. I just it sucks the amount of money they paid for him. But I get it. It's just a it was a tough reality. It's it's more fallout from the bad the bad decision to draft Mitchell Trubisky. It's all part of that fallout. Um. So going back to where that tangent came from is Ryan Pace, his, I mean, what we've seen ever since he came in is when he identifies there's a big hole, he tries he tries to fill it, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, last year, you saw him bring in like a bajillion tight ends. Uh, this year, it's the fixing the quarterback is you, you parted ways with Trubisky, you're pushing Nick Foles down to a third string. You drafted, you traded and drafted for Justin Fields, and now you've got Andy Dalton. So he's always trying to not get caught with a gaping hole. At least put some sort of stopgap in there until he can long-term fix it. It's a reasonable idea to, to, a way to handle problems. I just don't always agree with the decisions on what to use to patch those holes. 
and the results that we get. But, um, you know, this Mike Pinnell signing is probably a good insurance policy in case you don't have Eddie Goldman or Eddie Goldman is rusty or injured. So I feel like that was that was what you expected from Ryan Pace, and I think it was a good signing. So Ryan Pace has kind of done pretty well this offseason. Um, one, uh, another one is Kindle Vildor apparently had a good camp. Um, didn't play that well last year. We saw um, you know, okay in moments, just look kind of lost at others, but has looked good, looks aggressive, looks like he is really trying to win that starting spot opposite Jalen Johnson, which is good. I think if Kendall Vildor is able to step up and win that job, I think that's huge for the Bears because then that pushes Marcus Trufant and Artie Burns down to, you know, competing for that third cornerback spot or, um, you know, nickel dime spot. And I think that's big because that means, you know, you know who, when he's healthy, who Marcus Trufant is. So, or Desmond Trufant brain fart Desmond Trufant is you know who he is and when he's healthy if you can beat him out you feel a lot more confident about your defensive backfield so I'm rooting for for Kendall Vildor to do well I really am because um you know I feel like that's an improvement for the Bears looks good he's a, a young guy that the Bears brought in uh, so I'm, I'm really rooting for him, and it'll be intriguing to see what we see from him in training camp. Um, also, Graham that they drafted this year, I think it was sixth round. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what he can do too, because I'm reading a lot of articles talking about how he could be an under-the-radar guy for the Bears in training camp. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think that's that's an wide open battle is you've got one cornerback spot with Jalen Johnson, but um, that that other cornerback starting cornerback spot, there's like five guys with a legit chance to win that spot. And it's it's wide open. Um, and then a quick tidbit before before we get to the big thing I want to talk about is in the trailer for Madden 22, there is a clip of Justin Fields, which, you know, I know it doesn't mean anything in real life, but, you know, when we're we're Bears fans and we are so desperate for good quarterback play, uh, seeing seeing a, you know, the video game for NFL football take a notice of our quarterback and featuring in the trailer, that... That tugs at the those, you know, the feel good strings in your body that are like, oh my god, maybe we're gonna have a good quarterback. Maybe we will. You know, I, it's it's not a lot, but it's it's enough for me as a Bears fan to just get some, you know, that just that little taste, little tiny taste, half a swig of the warm and fuzzies that other teams seem to have with their quarterback situation. And I know we've got a long way to go before we can anoint Justin Fields. Uh, but, you know, just seeing him in the Madden trailer, just, just a little bit of warm and fuzzy, just a little bit. 
the, but the final thing I want to talk about with the Bears is the, you know, the sort of bombshell that uh, Ted Phillips announced that the Bears placed a bid to buy the land in Arlington Heights where the Arlington racetrack is. And that has got just all the national and local media in a buzz. Bears could be moving to a suburban site. Bears could be moving to a suburban site. And I know there's a lot of Bears fans that are just thrilled about this. And I'm not one of them, to be honest with you. I, you know, I, I'm hesitant about it. Um, and, and I'm going to talk you through it here. And, and I've, I've listened to all the reasons why people are excited. And I see there's, there's some merit into it. But I think it's, there's, there's a lot of things that not everybody is considering. So right now, they play in Soldier Field, which got renovated in, like, what, 2003 or something? And it was an absolute, unapologetic disaster. That, you know, revamp of Soldier Field was a disaster. They took an already pretty small stadium, especially for the size of the city, and they, they shrunk it by 5,000 seats. And... When they showed the plans for it, everybody was up in arms saying, this is stupid. This is completely stupid. And then it, because of these renovations, it took Soldier Field off of the you know, historic uh, landmark registry. So it really did a number on the stadium. You know, there's less money for the Bears. There's no retractable dome on it. You play in Chicago on the lake. You know, there's, there's no retractable dome. And it, it's just, there's just nothing good about the renovation for it. Now, I get that. The, something has to be done with the stadium. Whether it's a new stadium or you completely just start from scratch and rebuild the stadium there, whatever the case may be, You've got to do something, and uh, the, the Bears have to, to have a new facility. They just have to. Now, the issue is that as far as NFL teams go, the Bears are kind of cash poor. Like, they're a family. They're a family that does nothing but own the Bears. So, sure, they, they make a lot of money compared to what you or I make, but when you look at what the cost of a stadium is, they could be – between the land and the stadium, you, you could be looking at a billion dollars. That family doesn't have a billion dollars. Like, their net worth of over a billion dollars is because they own the team. But they don't own a stadium. They don't, um, you know, and and we're also about to see, well before, you know, putting a bid on the land in Arlington Heights is one thing. But they have a lease with the city of Chicago until 2033. It's an absolute fact that Virginia McCaskey will be dead by that point. And I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, like a shock jock here. I'm not trying to be mean. Just talking facts. The woman's almost 100 years old. She's what nine? She's gonna be. She's 98 now, I think. About to turn 99. 
she's a very old woman. And just, you know, in, we're 2021, so we're talking 12 years. So is she, is she going to be able to live to be 111? I don't think so. So, you know, we're, we're looking at a Virginia McCaskey will be dead by that point. And, and there's already buzz, and I don't know how realistic it is, but there's already buzz that, uh, that the rest of the, a lot of the family that's going to be, you know, the, the kids and the grandkids that this team is going to be split between are interested in selling, you know, so I don't know how that inheritance will work, how it gets split, but there's already talk about selling. And and for a, a family that that's all they do is own the bears, you know, maybe this is smart to, to check out and, and sell the team, um, you know, and, and see what you can do with that. And maybe, maybe they're looking at it as, that might be what happens and you can get a bigger like a, a bigger chunk of money when you sell it because you you know normally you'd sell the team and you'd sell the, the the stadium but the bears don't have a stadium they don't own the stadium they don't own soldier field the city of chicago and park district owns the stadium they, they lease it so if they own this land at least they buy this land they could be like well we've got this land that's a huge, I think it might be, if they were to build a stadium there, it could be, if I'm not mistaken, the biggest the biggest plot of land an NFL stadium is on, when then you'd start building stuff around it. Um, but if you have this giant plot of land and the team, maybe that looks much more enticing than just selling the team alone. That, that's something to consider. But regardless, I'm not in the camp that's, Soldier Field is fine. Just keep playing. No, you need a you need a dome or a retractable dome, preferably a, a retractable dome because you can take advantage of a lot of of nice weather, um, you know, and, and dome it off in the crap weather. We're we're in twenty twenty one, and you know it'll be several years before a state new stadium gets built anyway. So the technology will be there to do something rad like that. I mean, it's already out there, but, you know, the, the technology is there. It's just going to get better. Um, you also need a bigger stadium. You're Chicago. If you if you build the stadium big enough and you put a dome on it, guess what? You will get a Super Bowl. Do you know how cool it'll be to have a Super Bowl in Chicago? It'll be real cool. I'll tell you that much. New York got a Super Bowl. Chicago will get a Super Bowl if they have the stadium big enough and they have a dome, Period. Now, and they need something with a better field turf. It's, what you have is garbage. So I, I get I get where it's at if things have to change. But I'm not in the camp of moving the team to Arlington, Arlington Heights. One is you, you hear the fans that are pro-Arlington Heights, well, they got a metro station. Okay, they do. There's a metro station. They have to cross a big street to get to, but... Where does that metro station go to? It's not like a metro station is magic and it's like this magic hub that gets you from anywhere to Soldier Field. It's, you know, Soldier Field has a, a metro stop too. You know, and it's, 
it's got and it's actually near hubs like actual hubs so you could come from all over the region to get to near soldier field using metro arlington heights um city residents got to go all the way downtown then get on the train and i think ogilvy and then go all the way out to arlington heights oh you want to come from aurora or naperville or joliet to go to the bears game okay, well what metro stop what metro train line are you taking you would have to go take the train into downtown and then take the train back outbound and then going back you'd have to take the train from arlington heights back downtown back outbound to whatever wherever you live so really that metro station is only good if you live in harvard illinois or you live in palatine whoop-de-doo so uh, that that metro stop is not a selling point to me I, I mean me as a city fan not helpful to me i i would have to drive to the stadium it's, i right now i can take public transportation multiple ways to get to soldier field i could take bus i could take l i can take metro i can do multiple ways to get there and going to arlington heights i would have to drive and okay you're near an expressway but coming again from the south suburbs you know that's that's not that convenient and also the infrastructure is just really not i mean have you ever been to a really big race at arlington track traffic there sucks it is they they would need to build better infrastructure on having the capacity of for car traffic uh you know for for having an nfl stadium so you sure you would have the land there but um you know it's you're not you're not close to the airport so anybody coming in for a game is going to have to again uber from midway or o'hare god forbid midway midway would be just a disaster flying into midway trying to go to arlington heights um and, and o'hare is not that much better you know you're hitting traffic uh, what else is there to do in arlington heights there's nothing you know at least when you're city you're like all the big attractions you can go downtown you can see the bean you could go to five-star restaurants uh what are you going to go to chilies and magianos in arlington heights gonna hit up ikea like it's 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 not a destination you know um i i just for me it's it's a big plot of land that that's that's a that's the big selling point it's a big plot of land and it would be really cool to see what they could develop there but again you know what could be what the cubs are doing with development around wrigleyville the bears don't have that infrastructure in their front office to do that right now they would be relying on ted phillips who oversaw the renovations of soldier field back when they redid it so do you think the bears don't really have the money to to do all this and they're relying on a, a ding dong who screwed it up last time so i i just I don't know what you're really expecting to be honest i think 
And, you know, just because the Bears put in a bid doesn't mean they're winning that. I believe that I read that there was 10 bids for that property. You know, did the Bears pony up the most? I don't know. Um, I think, honestly, they put in a bid, and I think it was a ploy to try to push the city of Chicago to, you know, either renovate again or help finance a new stadium. I think that probably makes more sense. But you saw what the mayor of Chicago's reaction was, is, you know, maybe beat the Packers. And I think that was a legitimate response. You know, worry about, instead of worrying about, you know, where you're going to move in 12 years, worry about beating a team that's kicked the shit out of you for the last couple of decades. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I want them to stay in Chicago. I do want them to have a brand new stadium. I want a brand new stadium. I want a brand new stadium with a dome. Um, you know, you, you have to be creative. It's not going to have this giant plot of land like uh, like the some of the newer stadiums have. But if you look if you look at Lucas Oil Stadium, it's not on this giant plot of land, and it's a really nice stadium. I think, I think for Bears, you don't need this huge plot of land. You need a plot of land big enough um, for for your stadium, maybe more parking than you do now, and still proximity to the things that people want to do. Because when you come in for a Bears game from out of town, you wanna you wanna have something to do besides, you know, your husband. You're like, I want to come in for the game bring my wife with and be like, yeah, we'll go out for a nice dinner. We'll go out to some clubs. We'll go to a, you know, to see a Broadway show, whatever the case may be. You know, yeah, you go to Arlington Heights and you're like, oh, God, now we got to go take an Uber all the way into the city. And then are we having a hotel there. Is there, are there hotels, you know, are there enough hotels in Arlington Heights? I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you that. Um, I, I just, it just seems silly to me. Um, you know, I, I heard a guy on the radio talking about, cause he knew the land of, cause he worked at Arlington state, uh, racetrack that it would be a good spot for the bears. And I, he just kept saying, well, there's a Metro station. Okay. All right. Who's that helpful to? All right. All you people in crystal Lake. Good for you. You know, it's just it's, it's not helpful to a lot of people, that metro station. I've been to Arlington Racetrack a lot. I drive every time because that metro station is not helpful. <laughs> I just that, hate that selling point. You know, I, I still think the, the, the land in Rosemont would have been awesome. The one that they offered to the Cubs, which was 25 acres. Uh, it's a lot less than the the big plot of land in, in Arlington Heights, but it's a hell of a lot more than they have right now, which is bear soldier fields on seven acres. So 25 acres is a whole lot more. Uh, and you know, Rosemont is still not the city, but it is, it is next to O'Hare. You've got the L you could go into, uh, you've got multiple expressways leading into it. You've already got, the infrastructure of hotels because of the, the airport. You've already got the infrastructure for restaurants. 
And I don't know. I know part of that land was was is now the the Chicago Dog Stadium. I don't know how much of that land is left, or if there's more. But there's there's still quite a bit of land that you can see in uh, Rosemont. That I'm curious of if that would even be a consideration. But if you're moving outside the city, for me, I think that's a better option. Um, you know, you've got you've got shopping, you've got restaurants, you've got a convention center and an airport, and again, you've got you know public transportation that takes you from the city. Um, just it just seems better to me but honestly I would rather be in the city and you know coming from arguably the worst stadium situation in the NFL and with the smallest plot of land seven acres I, I feel like you can find other options within the city and, and still be able to you know, keep it city team and upgrade from seven acres and, uh, you know, and a sh shitty stadium. So that's my two cents. And maybe they do move Darlington Heights. I, I'm not a fortune teller. I just, you know, I just really don't see it. Um, and I think it's, it's really just a ploy that they were hoping to, uh, you know, make the city bite. And just because Lori Lightfoot didn't bite on the, the threat, she might be a one-term mayor. She might be gone by 2033. And in fact, there's probably a good chance she's gone by 2033. So who knows who the next mayor is? Sell that. You're selling that next mayor on the threat that you might leave. Um, even if you buy that land, you could sell it off to somebody else. Uh you know, I, I still think it's just a threat. But let me know what you think, because I think that's going to do it for this episode of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, share this podcast with your friends. That's how we grow the show. Uh, follow us on social media, at Swirsky Sports. Facebook.com slash Swirsky Sports, SwirskySports.com. And Alex, our regular co-host, uh, follow him at AlexPatSportsChat.blogspot.com or AlexPatSportsChat on Facebook. And thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, bear down. Smoking crack is not legal on the plains. Bears, 31, the negative 7. The Bears! Oh, when the Bears go bearing down.